0: Welcome to How Do You Write. I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 73 of How Do You Write. I'm Rachel Herron, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I have a crazy good interview with Fabio M. Barreto. And, um, I met him at the writer's digest conference. Like I met a lot of people there and he is really, really fun and inspiring, and very cool. And I think what I enjoy most about him is this passion that he has for this industry, for writing. Um, he is also a translator. Uh, we talk about some things we don't normally talk about in this podcast, and I just found it fascinating. And I had a great time talking to him. I know you're going to enjoy it. A little update for me: it's been uh, an action-filled week, I guess. I. Uh, Last week, I think after I recorded the show, I uh, did finish the full revision on Fast Draft Your Memoir, which will be coming out pretty soon. It's at the copy editors now, and I think I mentioned this last week, but I have to say it again. I am really proud of this book. I worked really hard on it, and I have put so much of myself into it um, that it is it is about memoir. It is about writing memoir, but it is everything else I know about writing, uh, all shoved into this book. Um, and I'm proud of it. And I sent it out to review, uh, readers last week and people are already reading it and getting back to me and they're finishing it and saying they loved it. And it's making me feel so good. Um, but I wanted to call out one specific person, Chris Hawkins, a friend of mine, uh, said, first off, I'm loving this book I feel like the title in some ways sells it short because it's so much more than just fast drafting a memoir. It's what every writer needs to know about memoir in addition to the mechanics of how to actually write one. It's also quite a page turner. So Chris, you kind of made my life by telling me that. Thank you. Um, I just can't wait for it to get out there on the shelves. I will let you know. You'll be the first to know, of course, uh, when it hits the shelves and Everything else is going pretty well. I'm getting back into the thriller. I would, my goal is to do this um, next revision by the end of January. So I'm going to state that to you by February 1st. I will like the thriller off of my plate and back to my agent um, to see if I have it in the right shape for her to take it out. So I'll keep you posted on that, on that. I'm terrified of it. Honestly, I opened it up yesterday and looked at it for the first time in five weeks and I thought, hell no. Mm -mm. I do not understand how to do this yet. So I closed it and I went deep into some revision notes. I made a ton of post-it notes because I believe in and I swear by the church of the small two and a half by one inch post-it. It Um, it is a congregation of one, but it's congregants, congregant, it's, it's congregant is extremely passionate about the way she feels about post-it notes and what they can do for revision. Uh, That is in the memoir book, actually. So even if you don't write memoir, I hope I don't keep harping on this. I don't want to be a hard sell but i think you might like the memoir book so let us jump into the interview real quick with fabio i have nothing else to update you on except that i am scared to uh, do this revision of the thriller which means it's going to be great and please enjoy this time with fabio i know you're going to get a lot out of it and you're going to be his newest biggest fan so enjoy and happy writing to you hey you're a writer did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com write and you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. All right, well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome my friend Fabio to the show. Hello, Fabio.
1: Hi Rachel. So Thank nice. you so much for having me. So
0: nice to see you again, listeners. I'm at Fabio at the Writer's Digest Conference in LA. And I've mentioned this before on the show. I just I Sophie, my friend and I just collected these awesome people. And I've never collected as many at one conference. So did really? you have the same experience?
1: Well, there was actually my first convention. Oh, that's right. uh, in, in the U.S., I was mm-hmm. really reticent of going to one of those places. You know, it's it's a moderate investment. It's something that yeah, you don't. Definitely. You know, I'm going to go to one every weekend. Uh, exactly. You just can't. This one was close to home. Uh, you know, price was right. And I was so surprised that all this happened. I was just hoping to see a bunch of nerds there uh, in a kind of dark, dark moody room, <laughs> well, well, which they were. <laughs> but uh, I think after the, half, uh, the first half of the first day, Everything started clicking. Uh, I think that's when I first saw you guys and then we started talking. And a bunch of other people that started you no know, doing the network thing. But then you know when it clicks.
0: It's a natural networking. Um, it is. What happens? It's not like the sleazy let me give you my business card it was just fun you know so let me yes. give you a quick introduction but, um, for people who don't know you um fabio everybody knows me
1: yes.
0: <laughs> everyone knows you <laughs> fabio barreto is a fiction and science fiction author and a translator he was a movie journalist for 20 years in brazil his debut novel um forgive me Filhos do fim do mundo was awarded Best Novel of the Year in Brazil in 2013. He teaches two online creative writing classes and hosts a writing podcast called Gente que Escreve, both in Brazilian Portuguese um, as a translator, he has worked with Neil Gaiman and George R. R. Martin and dozens of Netflix movies and shows. He lives in L.A., of course, you do with your wife and two kids. He also loves archery and hates writing in the third person. I love that sentence because people say, I think they think that somebody else writes our bios or whatever.
1: No, we do. We, we do. do. <laughs> it's so weird. Let's think about ourselves as somebody else. It's so like I'm not that person. You
0: know what else is this big secret, uh, and I don't know if you've had to do this, but you know, when you read a, a novel and in the back, it has the questions for the author and then the hmm. author answers the questions. What people don't know is the author writes those questions, too. Like, yeah.
1: It, <laughs> it, it, here's the thing, people. We write almost everything All that's of it. in there. All of uh, it. The, the one thing I, I wish you could write more often will be the actual synopsis, uh, the one on the back. Normally, oh. this marketing who does it yeah, uh, yeah. On, on my novel. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that you read everything with a Spanish accent. Uh, oh, which I has did. nothing to do with the port. Which is which is fine. Actually, uh, an
0: uh, Italian accent because I don't even speak Spanish well. <laughs> well, but I it, said gente.
1: gente. is pretty much uh, oh. Spanish. But my novel Filhos do Fim do Mundo. Uh, the, the editor, the marketing department, wrote the synopsis, and they spoiled the first three chapters. <gasps> and it was like, no, yeah. that's
0: terrible. I'm, I'm, usually, my editors write the back blurb for me, but I have. Mm. I have an editing hand in it. And I actually like that they do that because I hate doing it. I should be better at it, but I'm not. Yeah. Well, so.
1: let's so, focus on, on the content on the inside.
0: I really wanted you on the show because you are not like anybody else that I've ever met in the writing industry. You do this translation. You're also writing. Um, you are currently moving into writing in English, is that right? As well, yes, directly into English. So I want to talk about scary. that. <laughs> of course, it's scary. <laughs> but this show is about writing process. Sorry, my chair mm-hmm. is so squeaky. Um, no what is your writing process? Tell me about it.
1: Uh, it depends on the day, Rachel, because uh, I take care of my of my son Eric. I have two kids. Uh, Eric is he's two and change, uh, and he's with me all day long. So, and you you imagine a toddler climbing on you, running around the house, trying to kill himself every 15 seconds. (laughs) And how can you concentrate? I can't even imagine. I I locked my dog
0: in the bedroom accidentally this morning, and I forgot about her for five hours.
1: And then you realize the house is so peaceful. (laughs) I wish it was always like this.
0: Right now, listeners, uh, his son is on a nap break. So He's on a nap break. We've it.
1: been coordinating this for like two weeks. For it. <laughs> okay, ping me when he goes to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's what happened. So uh, this is pretty much what happens. Uh, when you have a toddler, it's really tough to concentrate. And right now that I'm, trying, I'm starting to work straight into English, it's a whole new process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes much more time for me to go through a page because I want to make sure everything is there. Sometimes I miss articles i miss uh, a word mm-hmm. i think it's there it's not there for some reason uh, so i need to be very meticulous about uh, everything i write in english and so can you imagine doing that with a kid No, it's I can't. insane so <laughs> what i'm doing is sometimes i pull the famous uh, 4 to 6 i wake up like 3:30 i Love go to bed four to at six. 9 yeah i go to bed at 9ish uh wake up at 3 something start working at 4 do some work until 6 do all, the whole day of, you know, taking care of him and write an hour, an extra hour at night. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. But my wife's being amazing. Uh, she's been taking some some days off or half days off. Mm-hmm. So she can come back home and then I go to the library. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a library guy. I, I hate going to the coffee shop. Uh, coffee shops, too. You know, a lot of movement. And there's a coffee that smells that like kind of I don't like. So I go to the library every time I can put like two or three hours of work. At the library, it's so productive. I don't know yes. if I don't know if it's the books talking to me. There's, you know, it's LA. If you shake a tree, uh, four screenwriters will fall. If <laughs> you go to the library, there's about seven guys, all the same guys every day. They're all done. <laughs> <laughs> So you know they're gonna find friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People in the same situation.
0: I think it's uh, the smell of the books. For me, it's the, it's literally, and I'm not exaggerating. It's the smell of the old books. Mm-hmm. that that I really love about the library. I, I am also a library writer much more than a coffee writer. Yeah, Cafe I writer.
1: Think, I think it gives you some I don't know incentive. That you know all these people uh have been through this. No matter if it was yes. Stephen King or the guy who's just published. Uh they yes. had to go through whatever I'm going through. So you know it kind of pushes me forward a little bit. But that's it. Uh, I write when I can uh I try not to write on the computer. I'm I switched to my legal pads. I'm writing really? everything and all that stuff I sent you, yeah. I wrote it by hand, the first draft. And then because I forced myself to revise it again.
0: As you put it in.
1: And, you know, sometimes, and when I do, I start reading it to myself, reading it out loud. And then I know it, oh, it doesn't feel good. So let me reword again.
0: So I I loved what you sent me. It was so strong and emotional and dark. I love I love dark, I adore dark, the darker the better, and that's pretty damn dark. Um, but let me ask you this, and I think yes. I asked you this in LA and I don't remember the answer. Um, no why do you not write in Portuguese and then translate it? You are a translator, that is what you do.
1: Yes. Uh, I think there, there are two ways of looking at it. When I translate something from English into Portuguese, it's going to my, to my native language. Right. It goes, it's easier, it feels natural. Mm. I, the control I have over the Portuguese link I've been writing every day for the past 23 years. Yeah. So it's insane. Every day it's my life so I know how to do that.
0: Yeah, you can so you that, breathe that in a way. That's your that's your breathing when, is your Portuguese.
1: Yeah, when you when you're trained on a newsroom uh, and you have to write six stories a day uh b- before 2 p.m. It's <laughs> insane.
0: it feels like my today but not usually Well, newspaper has
1: to go into print so we had this crazy deadline every day at you uh so when you do that uh, you you create tools you create you have this tool set that helps you write anything anytime uh all the time Mm -hmm. if i do that if i write in portuguese and try to translate into english i will bring all the structure with me
0: oh that makes complete sense
1: and that's my my big scare when, uh, for example, the stuff I sent you, I showed it to a bunch of Americans because my nightmare is, does it read weird? Does it read like foreign? Because I've done it, I, I've tried it in the past, and it was kind of awkward because I felt some of the structure came with me because I was translating. Mm,
0: so I, didn't, I need I to didn't detach think, myself. I did not think it read weird at all, but I will you know, reassure you that that is something that you can hire your editor, whoever your editor ends up to be, or at the in-house publishing house that they, they will say this sounds weird.
1: That's the plan. You know? Yeah. That's the idea. So I mean, that even the,
0: happens between like, you know, English and British, you know, American English and British English yeah. and Australian English. And
1: Gaiman, Gaiman has a guy who Americanizes his stuff. Oh, he'll, he'll make sure everything reads uh, how it's supposed to. But you know, there, there was a, there was a fear I had and that kept me from writing in English. Uh, for so long and, and the main reason is i want to learn i just don't want to be a guy who, who who has to rely on the translator all the time i mean i know this uh, at least to a degree so i want to be able to do it uh and sell my work properly and yeah. to be honest with you the the stuff i sent you i'm not even looking at the original i'm basically rewriting the book i am retelling ah, the so story. you
0: told it and now you're retelling it from scratch yeah that that's right? my that's yeah. my
1: first novel yes
0: that is, um, I've, I've had a lot of, I've known a lot of people who've had serious success with doing it in that way. They write it, put it away and rewrite it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, so that's pretty much what I'm trying to do. But yeah, so that's cool. my, that's the reason. I, I want to have something fresh, something ca- catered to this market, not something that was just. And to this structure,
0: to this voice. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. What is, um, what is your biggest challenge when it
1: comes to writing? Challenge is, uh, you know, overcoming this fear. Yeah. Because it's tough when you second-guess yourself every line, every word. Because there's something... I'm I'm a huge Gaiman fan. And I, I always say, he finds the word so perfectly that there's no other way that sentence could have been said. Oh. It's, like, it, it's like spot on. Every single thing. And, and I struggle a lot with that. So I think every word is wrong. And it was, no, there must... There has to be another one. There has to be another one. And then I keep... You know, it kind of it kind of pushes me forward. So this overcoming this year is really strong. It's a big challenge because I think I have to do a little bit more than other writers would have to because I have this handicap. Mm. So something that pushes me forward, but it's also it's always like ah, you're wrong. It's gonna be weird. <laughs> Nobody's gonna like it, uh, <laughs> which is
0: which is which sucks because I verify myself. I think all writers have that anyway, even when they're writing in their native language. I'm sure you felt that writing in Portuguese. So you have it almost doubled in a way, yeah, and that cannot yeah, be pleasant. That,
1: yeah, but then in Portuguese, it was a different one. It was much more related to the story. It was uh, Is this the best decision? Yeah. Uh, is this the best scene? Uh, in English, is this the best scene? Is this the best word? Is this the best, <laughs> best sentence? What am I doing here?
0: <laughs> so conversely then, how, what is your greatest joy in writing?
1: My, my greatest joy, I think, is not writing itself. It's uh, because that's that has been my, my profession ever since. So it's kind of, it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. But the joy comes after um I I, I believe you you've have been through this, but sometimes after I publish something and, and I see uh, kids and new writers on Twitter or Facebook, they send me email say, Oh, I decided to become a journalist because of you. Uh. I decided to start writing because of your newsletter. Uh I started writing fanfic or whatever because I read your book and I loved it. Isn't the, that
0: the best?
1: That power of inspiration that we hold uh, even it's it's unwilling. We don't do that just to inspire people. We do not. That, yeah. That comes with that comes with yeah. the flow. You do the stuff, you publish, and eventually people will will feel it, will understand it, and they will want to join. That's amazing. Yeah. It's I've had some of my students who are published authors now, and it's so cool to see their stuff out there, to see that they are proud of their bullet point diaries that they were doing nanorimo oh, that they I are, love that. you know publishing short stories. It's so nice. So every time that happens, you're like you know, makes my day. There's uh, nothing better. There's not a lot of money involved because when you are in Portuguese, that's the pro- another reason why I'm writing in English. When you write books straight into Portuguese, it's a market this big.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. If you should write yeah. in English. Yes. Yeah. What is the absolute best or worst writing advice you've ever been given?
1: Um, I think for me, it's a mix. The best and the worst are the same. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was the thing. So uh, I was interviewing Nicholas Sparks once. Uh, that's it that was pretty much uh, at the time that I decided I decided to start writing literature, and you know I was always I was a critic, so I, I love to wreck things. I never <laughs> done things, <laughs> and I was like, oh, should I do this? Huh?
0: <laughs> now you have comeuppance. <laughs>
1: and then one of his movies was coming out, and uh, I had a chance to interview him. It was actually two guys. Uh, pushed me towards writing. It was him, and then he was uh, Denzel Washington. He kind of gave me the plots for my first novel. Kind of, I fun. love
0: this name dropping. That is so fun. Like, uh, you know,
1: I, wow. I did that for for ten years here. So I know. you know, it's I, so cool, I, I, though. I could suck from the from the big guys. I could get <laughs> everything. Suck the marrow of their ideas. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I was talking to uh, Nicholas Sparks, and uh, we we're talking about beginning your careers, and he said. He was one of those people who wrote the first draft just to prove that he could, mm. just to prove himself that to himself that he could write a first draft. And then he said, "Oh, uh, and the first draft, like everybody, every, like every first draft, sucked." And I tossed it in the garbage. Uh, it was it wasn't good. Then I started again and did another story. That combined to what Robert Rodriguez says that people told him in film school: "No, your first script is gonna be bad." You're not going to be able to film it. And he went and, and shot El Mariachi and made a ton of money yeah. out of it. Because, you know, I'm going to shoot it. I don't know. People may <laughs> like it. So I was, uh, Sparks told me that. And I was thinking, should I really put like an year of effort in my life into a novel that's not going anywhere? Just to see if I can, if I can take the load. And I said, you know, it's kind of waste, wasting my time. I, I, I've been mm-hmm. writing for 20 years. I know how to write. I may not be the best storyteller ever. I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying I know how to put words down that will make sense. Um, that's writing, right. Words, one after the <laughs> other, make sense. That's, yep. that's right. Um, so I could do that. So I decided I'm not going to write a first novel just to prove myself. I'm going to write it. I'm going to publish it. And that's exactly what I did. I got that, that bad advice, which was so, write it and, and throw toss it, away. it yeah. and then do it again. You know, no, no, no. I'm going to do it right. So I I will write an, a, a chapter, I will rewrite it. So I decided that I will, I will get the story. So I wrote my first draft. I sent it to the, to the publisher. Uh, I got picked up. I, I, it wasn't even finished. I had like 70% in. Holy I cow. I love the story. I had shot of, um, a short video, a uh, short film uh, in film school using the, the prologue. So I sold the story. And that's because of that bad advice that, oh, we should throw it away. I don't think we should throw it away unless it's really 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 bad unless you love
0: doing- hearing this because it has some it has been something that has come up on the show a lot and and we hear it from everyone and the fact is i think the truth of the matter is is that it's said because so many of us writers do have like i i personally have 3 manuscripts in a, in the drawer which are so bad i could never publish them um but i know that I needed to do those. I wasn't good enough yet. I didn't have 20 years writing experience. I didn't have much writing experience at all. Um, So that's the way it worked for me. But there's nothing saying that you can't publish a first novel. And I think that people need to hear that. I think that's really encouraging.
1: Yeah, it's not set in stone. And and that's what I I keep telling my students and whoever comes for advice is that it it may be the case. As you said, you may write something. There's a bunch of short stories I'm never going to show anyone. But the point is, if you can and if you have the time and if you have the chops for it, why not try to actually have a better uh, first draft? And because it's just you know you're doing you're doing the work right. Yeah. Uh, you you have the story. Uh, they might not be the best characters ever. Uh, there might be flaws in it, and they there will be. Uh, there but, is in uh,
0: everything. Yeah.
1: In everything. Why not? You know, finish it, but you know, just rewrite it. Because one of the things that I that I, I listen a lot. I hear, I hear a lot from uh, youngsters is that they don't believe in rewrites. Uh, oh you gosh, have to. I know. You have to. It, not. It's almost impossible for you to put out a first first draft.
0: It it would be it would. I, if somebody did it successfully and it was a good book, I would be so impressed. How do you feel about revision? Personally, I love it way more than first drafting. Which is your preference?
1: Um. No, I love it. Uh, I think it's better when someone does it for you, when you have an editor that would oh, jump in. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is something that I I wasn't fortunate enough to have it you on know, my debut novel. Uh, uh I had didn't have an editor. I had a guy who was posing as an editor. He just mm-hmm. gave me like two notes on the end and oh. there was nothing on the middle. So I had to basically to jump back in and try to fix everything I could. And I've missed a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot, of, a lot of things there. That's why I'm rewriting, you know, 10 years later, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I can do a better job. Um, but here, uh, but I think when an editor can jump in with the same mindset you have, and it has the same goal that your story has, because I've seen editors that they have their own agendas. Oh, I want to take the story this way. No, they have to be on the same page with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the editor can jump in with you, that's amazing. Uh, If not, you should go in, show people. Beta beta readers, uh, that's what they're there for. Ask them around. They will tell you, hey, this character is not doing anything for me. Mm -hmm. Either kill the character, take it out, rewrite it, fix something because something I've learned uh, in film school is this. If you show um, an original to someone and one person, two, two people, and one, one person says, oh, it's kind of, it's weird. You ignore it. Two people say, hey eh, it's kind of weird. Uh, you think about it. If three people tell you, shut up and rewrite.
0: That is the rule of three. My friend Nicole Peeler says the same thing. She's a professor at Seton Hill and she calls it the rule of three. And yep. if three people all tell you the same thing, then listen, you do it.
1: Listen, listen. You were wrong. Are wrong. <laughs> you wrong. <laughs> we have to accept that we are wrong. we are not yep. although we are gods in our words yeah. uh we are not gods to the readers and readers can take the story anywhere they want that's where a lot of frustration comes from because oh, I hoped your character would do this and you did that mm-hmm. uh, so make sure whatever you did it's remarkable it's interesting uh because they won't they're not going to buy everything you 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 push to them exactly. they will have uh, they will have different opinions Oh, so if people that. are telling you that's bad, just listen because you're going to be in trouble. Don't don't be overconfident. I think that's the that's the key. Even with my twenty years experience in writing in Portuguese, I I, I doubted the story. I was like, mm-hmm. so I might do. I put too much of myself in it. And when people say, "Oh, I hate your protagonist," <laughs> but that's a good thing because that, there was a connection. They hated it. It made them feel something. Yeah. Hey, I hate your protagonist. Is better than how'd you like it? Eh. I oh, oh, it's okay. I lo- I love that. Really? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I always no, prefer.
0: I prefer a one star review to a two or a three star review. If you give me a three yeah. star review, it's ambivalent. If you give me a one star, I made you hate it, and I I, I evoked a feeling in you, and that's <laughs> I evoked a
1: feeling, you know?
0: <laughs> the anger, you know, the wrath, <laughs> the wrath. Can you can you share a quick craft tip of any sort with us?
1: Um, I had something here on the email. <laughs> if I closed the window. Uh, where was it? Hang on. I mean, uh, it was a good one. I mean, look it. I can, look, for I can it. look
0: it up for listeners. Yeah. Um, Fabio accidentally <laughs> responded to the questions that I sent him all written out. <laughs> Yeah, so he's really prepared, but I did not actually read the answers because I want I like to be surprised.
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> if if Rachel wants to start doing this for the next, he, she can she can torture the next uh, <laughs> guest and make them reply. <laughs> well, I love that you
0: you actually like realized it inside the email. You responded at and then at the very end you said, "Oh crap, I should not have <laughs> done that." Um, it was still, um, but I can, I can I uh, can scroll through. Here. I've got it right here. Craftship, uh, the the short pitch.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I've been teaching – for how long have you been uh, teaching writing? Oh,
0: only seriously. I've been teaching for like 10 years, but only seriously for two years.
1: Cheers. Well, roughly what what I've been doing. And the biggest problem I found with every single one of my students is that they had a hard time uh, giving the the short pitch. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and I think that's –
0: And what do you mean by the short pitch? Um, Elaborate uh, on that if people don't understand.
1: Yeah, it's the uh, one-two-line synopsis of your story. The that elevator we call pitch. It here, the elevator pitch, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and why do you think that's key? Because because of this. Once you write a good elevator pitch, you know exactly what your story is about. And that informs everything you're about to do. Yep. If your story is about this guy who is struggling to find what family means, that's your story. It's not the fact that he's on a spaceship, whatever, uh, trying to it's defeat a doctor. It's not about his
0: job. It's not about – No,
1: everything else, it's, it's surplus. And young writers don't, don't, don't take that – don't understand that easy, easier and, and quick enough. But they think, oh, this should be bigger. It should be about everything. No, 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 no. What's the story about? Yeah. Everything yeah. else, it's going to make your story great. Yeah. But if you don't know, if you can tell me, how the heck are you supposed to write it?
0: I have and written that, whole books that I have not been able, uh, that failures of books that I have not been able to do that with, and that was my clue, that I, that it, the book was not that I was going to have to fix the book majorly because I couldn't tell anyone what that logline was, what the elevator pitch was.
1: Exactly, and that and that's huge for me because every time, uh, the same for me, every successful story I wrote, I knew exactly what the story was about. Yep. Yep. Because it's simple, like there is a. Um, Uh, period fantasy I wrote is about uh, the first fairy coming from Europe to Brazil and she finds the local uh, fairy creatures and it's all about finding identity it's all about uh, the clash of cultures Uh because it's a classic Tinkerbell fairy finding this kind of monstrous Brazilian creature and there is this big clash that was the story a bunch of people don't get it but you know (laughs) Because nobody kind of focus on that. It's it's a cultural clash. There's a bunch of uh, things going back and forth. But I knew exactly, and I stand by that story because it, it makes sense to me. I that's what I wanted to write. Other other things that the elevator pitch was not clear. They just don't go. They, you hardly finish it. When you do, you feel there's some something's missing. Mm-hmm. It's because you never had an end game. Mm-hmm. And I think the elevator pitch makes it clear what's your end game. This is it. So go after it. Everything else is surplus. Everything else is just there to support that main idea. So what that's like,
0: my. And I'll, I'll toss out an extra tip too. What I like to do now with my novels or really any book, um, I write my elevator pitch first and then I write it again. I revise it before I start the revision because mm. sometimes your book will change. You double
1: you check it against the idea.
0: Double check it against the idea. And if it's changed on the way, and if you can make it into an elevator pitch that you love, then you can revise to that. But usually sure. my usually mine does change a little bit as I go.
1: No, but that's great. And I think that, that doesn't set the, the story in stone. You, you can right. adapt. Right, uh, right. But at least it gives you a good bearing. Like, I'm going this way. That's my north. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to chase this. And then whatever comes, hey, it can be better. You can find a better story in there. Yeah. Uh, but if you start strong with a solid elevator pitch, you, there's no way gonna go, that's going to go wrong mm. because you know what you're doing.
0: I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. When you have self-doubt or dark days, how do you handle that?
1: Uh, Netflix? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer.
1: <laughs> no, uh, kidding. Am I? Um, <laughs> no, it's it's kind of tough for me because uh, I always have a bunch of proje- projects going. So it's either translation or I have to take care of Eric or I have something else to do. So if it's not going... The other day, uh, Instagram is a weird place I posted a picture it was a blank page of my legal pad and I got 200 likes because I said I couldn't write today I think people took pity on me but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know normally I would go I start revising something uh, I sometimes I do I start outlining uh, another idea or I I go do some some part of another job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go do do some research. Or I go read, I just I, I I get out of it because every time over my career, every time I try to struggle and make it go by force, the result was never good. Mm-hmm. So if he wasn't there, I may write a page or two just to say, hey, just to show up to work. Right. But right, right. I know I'm going to have to rewrite. Yeah. So I would rather do something more productive that would just keep my mind, you know, doing something good now. Mm-hmm. You're not wasting your time because what, the dark day for me is when I feel to the last cell of my body, you're just wasting your time. Mm. Nothing's going to come out of it. So let me do something that will actually bear fruit. That's so, so that's smart. that's what I think. So I just try to steer clear from it. Uh, I don't try to push it. When, when nothing is there, nothing is there. And normally when I what I realize is uh, there's a problem with the scene I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Either it shouldn't be there or the scene uh, is wrong, is in the wrong place. So normally, every time I stuck, I go back to outline or read like two or three, five pages before and see, oh, that's the problem. I steer to the right here. I should have gone straight. Mm. So sometimes I just completely cut that off and start again.
0: That's awesome. That's an awesome answer. Um, on really bad days, if you could have mm. any other profession in the whole world, you just step into this profession, what would you do?
1: <laughs> well, despite the fact that I chose this.
0: <laughs> I know, the best profession.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and I still get, oh, besides writing, what else do you do? Yeah, I respond <laughs> to a stupid, <laughs> stupid question. Um,
0: <laughs> like this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, like this one right now. <laughs> I would, uh, I would totally be a firefighter. Uh, I always want. I, I like helping people. I
0: love, oh, we talked about that. I remember. Yeah. yeah,
1: think about this, Rachel. Most of what we do. I mean, you you offer services. You you have a podcast newsletter. I have pretty much the same thing going. Part of this is not, of course, it's our job, but we do it because we like to help. Mm-hmm. We like to be a service. We we like to see people, you know, advancing their lives or whatever. Our goal is, uh, and I, I don't think there is any profession that's more. Uh, giving in that sense than being a firefighter. Those guys, they are there uh, all day, all night doing, you know, putting their lives at risk to help others. So I think that's a very noble profession. And I'm learning a lot about them because I'm writing uh, a novel about the, I think I told you that, about the biggest fire that ever happened in Sao Paulo. And we did a ton of research on what those guys did uh, back in the 70s. And it was insane. Mm. Guys going to a burning building without any uh, gear and saving people—it was insanity. It, like heroes to the core, and nobody ever wrote about it, which is, uh, you know, it's a pity. But I would love to be, if I could, go back in time and, you know, some of, go to the firefighter, stop climbing trees or whatever, <laughs> saving people. I, I, I would be fulfilled, I think.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. wonderful. And I told you oh, that well, I, I used to work for the fire department. Um, yes, you did. That's what I did. So, and I loved, I loved being there and watching that. And I think that's one of the things I really took away from that. But I don't miss it. I still feel like I'm giving back enough by doing what I do now. So that's that's nice. What is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it?
1: Uh I uh, I read uh, Old Man's War by John oh, Scalzi. Oh, yeah.
0: How did you yeah. like it? I've never read him.
1: I I didn't read it. I've listened to it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's uh the I, I'm counts. a big I'm a big uh, yeah. audiobook guy. Audible is my friend. Uh Witten's voice is always someplace in my head. <laughs> He narrates so many books. He, he did does. all the. Uh, he does the uh, Ernest Cline books. Uh, he's doing Scalzi, so he's he's around the place. Yeah, he's all over. So I I think the rhythm Scalzi brings to a, a military sci-fi it's it's fast paced. It's it's kind of intimate when he has to. It's funny. It's it's very interesting. I think it, he's a better highline, which is great. Wow. We were in need. We were in, we were in need of a greater of a big military guy right now in sci-fi. So I think he brings that and he writes, Oh my. I wish I could write 10% of what that guy does. I <laughs>
0: know he like, writes it, so much.
1: I, and, <laughs> it, and I mean, he's an editor forever. Yeah. He knows, he experiences his middle name, probably something else, but you know, John Experience calls it. <laughs> but uh, I think he, he really, he commends it. And uh, it was something that made me want to read military sci-fi again. Uh, I think the rhythm was really good. Um, I, i'm dying to read the rest of the stuff because oh, put he, he that on my put my there he put me there it, it's um i don't know if it's your type of book but it, uh, i'm a big sci-fi fan so for me there was really um i felt al- that the genre was alive again mm. the same the thing same thing that happened when i read uh, the name of the wind by mm. patrick mm-hmm. that made me want to read uh, fantasy again i was completely lost for fantasy i don't care about game of thrones Personal opinion, not judging. It's just (laughs) I don't like it, period. And okay, okay, fantasy is all that now. And then The Name of the Wind comes in with this magical, with this musical background. It was just, I fell in love with that place.
0: That's so interesting, though, that you say that about Rothfuss, is that um, he, that particular book turned my brother-in-law back into a reader. He hadn't read since college. And that book just changed everything for him. So I need to look into both of those books.
1: Yeah, what what Rothfuss does with Kvolf, uh the main character, it's so pure, it's mm. so uh, it's so captivating that you want to see how that ends up. Mm. And that guy, he has so many layers, and I haven't seen that in a in a fiction writer and in, in a genre writer in a long time. And I've and I've read a lot of stuff. Yeah, he just brought all of that up, and he put the music that he knows in there. So, you know, it was just magical for me. And i got my daughter. My daughter was uh, listening with me and oh. she's in love with it. Then oh. I had to stop it because it kind of got, got a little bit
0: adult. Uh, adult. <laughs> and then I
1: lost. Let's, let's wait for a few years. <laughs> and then you come back there. But, yeah, those two guys are really what I'm recommending to people. I've just listened to uh, Colliding, uh, The Collapsing Empire by Scalzi. Mm-hmm. It's his new series. It's interesting, but it's uh, it's not as great as Old Man's War. Okay, good. Then I'll start
0: uh-huh. there, since I haven't read anything by him. Yeah. But I really also respect Scalzi for what he does for the writing community. He is such a giver and a sharer mm-hmm. and a defender of genre. Um, yeah. I admire him so much for that. I
1: okay. became his fan. I wasn't. An
0: yeah. yeah, me too. What would you like to plug right now? Where can we find you? Tell us where you are, what you're doing.
1: Um, I'm in LA. Um, <laughs>
0: you're in a chair. i
1: in a chair. I, I don't have a lot of stuff uh, in English right now. Uh, this is actually, and um, thank you for this. This is actually my first podcast in English. Yeah, I
0: love it. I love. That. I'm
1: so I'm so excited. I was desperate. I'm uh, I was terrified about this. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna botch it. <laughs> <did not> botch <laughs> it. I'm gonna be like.
0: <laughs> Unless your like two year old right now comes and rips the headset off your head, you've done a great job.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. So um, I have a podcast, as Rachel mentioned in the beginning. It's uh, so far it's, uh, it's in Portuguese only. It's called Gente que escreve, people who write. Uh, everything I do is on my website, fabio M. Rachel, I think we'll put the link put on the, link in. the on the description. Uh, that's about it. So and in, case like I, bo- and
0: in case I really do have a, a few Portuguese listeners, you have a Patreon campaign too in, in Portuguese. Yes, is that right? Where yes, is that linked yes. on your uh, site?
1: Yes, uh, everything is listed on my site because uh, our our supporters for the podcast are awesome. They've been, we are the only Brazilian uh, writer-oriented podcast oh, right cool. now. Uh, we are weekly, we do a lot of stuff, we try to help, we give tips, uh, we read their stuff. Uh, we are oh. inspired on a, on a screenwriting uh, podcast called Script Notes. I don't know if you know it.
0: Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't listened
1: to it. Yeah, by John August. He wrote yeah, yeah. Big Fish. He, write, yeah. he wrote a, a bunch I of uh, Team Fish. Butter stuff. So I kind of copy her uh, their their motto, and we're doing that. So we have a campaign on Patreon and on the Brazilian uh, crowdfunding site. So if you want to chip in and listen to, to two crazy Brazilian writers talking <laughs> about writing, hey, I oh, wish no. I
0: spoke Portuguese. I would.
1: Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you if you need translations for Portuguese, I'm available.
0: <laughs> You're the guy. Thank I'm you so guy. much, Fabio. This was just such a delight to talk to you and reconnect with you. And I'm just so glad that we are friends now and that we're in connection. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank it you. was a pleasure meeting you there. Thank you for the invite. Thank you so much for everybody who was listening. Uh, maybe see you next time.
0: Yes. Take care. Bye. Bye.